Welcome to the Explore podcast from EF Pro Cycling. This week, we are talking to Lachlan Morton and Keegan Swenson about the ups and downs of racing Cape Epic. Cape Epic takes on some of the most stunning and grueling terrain of the Western Cape in South Africa. Over the years, it has solidified itself as one of the toughest mountain bike races in the world and has earned the nickname the Tour de France of mountain biking, thanks to the demanding course and because of the star-studded field it attracts every year. This was Lockie's third attempt at the Epic, and this year he came in more motivated than ever, not only because he had unfinished business at the race, but also because he knew his partner would be more than ready. Keegan Swenson hails from Heber City, Utah, and grew up racing mountain bikes first and foremost. He has won national titles in both XCO and XCC championships. He has also won the Leadville 100, Telluride 100, Breckenridge Epic, and the Pikes Peak Apex, and he currently holds the fastest known time on the White Rim. In 2022, he won the Lifetime Grand Prix in commanding fashion, taking four of the six events and placing second in the other two. The 2023 Cape Epic featured eight brutal stages and some gnarly weather conditions, making it one of the toughest editions of the race in recent memory. You can relive their epic journey over on the EF Pro Cycling YouTube page in our stunning new documentary, An Unlikely Duo. It was a hard week of racing with more stories than we could ever tell. So join us on this ride as we explore the world of cycling together. My name is Catherine Ezra, and this is the Explore Podcast. So let's hear a little bit about you first, Keegan. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm from Heber City, Utah, and I'll now spend half the year in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, spend the winters down here to get escape the cold and real winter. Yeah, I mean, I've been racing since I was you know, 12, 13 years old and you know, started off racing mountain bikes, mostly like cross-country, Olympic, XCO stuff, World Cups, whatnot. And then the last couple of years, I've like, kind of transitioned into more gravel and marathon racing. The two of you have known each other for some time. You've raced against each other at a lifetime specifically last year. Is that right? Yeah, we raced Rock Epic against each other a couple of years ago, then Lifetime last year. And then before that, I mean, just, you know, did Everesting stuff in 2020. And yeah, so that's kind of how I got to know Lachlan. Before that, I just knew him and his brother from uh, the big thereabouts stuff they do and whatnot. So tell us, I mean, Keegan, you've you've got a few different disciplines there in your background in terms of, you know, mountain biking, gravel, endurance, all these things you've mentioned. How did you end up transitioning from one to the next? Did they just sort of naturally lead into each other or, or how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, I'd always, I mean, I'd done like a little bit of marathon mountain biking stuff in the past. And uh, like in 21, I mean, that was for the first time at Leadville. And then I really enjoyed kind of the longer marathon stuff and then just started doing more and more of it and kind of got into racing a bit more gravel last year and kind of enjoyed, you know, a good change of pace from racing the same kind of XCO World Cup circuit for, you know, 10 plus years. It was just cool to get into something different and do some new, new events and new races. I mean, gravel's definitely been kicking off in the U.S. for a few years now. So does gravel still feel like a fresh and exciting field or does it feel like it's pretty established at this point? I feel like it's still kind of new to new to everyone. There's definitely a few guys who've been doing it, but like only you know, a couple extra years than others. But for the most part, everyone's still kind of learning and kind of figuring it out. And for me, it's still the same. Like it's kind of a new, new and exciting thing. You know, just every, every, every gravel race is kind of different. Like they're not all the same, you know, different equipment and different conditions and different kind of courses. And 
whatnot. So it's, yeah, it's kind of a fun new, new adventure. So tell us a little bit about Everesting. What is that? And, and why would you want to do that? <laughs> That's a good question. You wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't. Back in 2020, when the pandemic had all the races shut down, I was, you know, hanging out at home and I was just kind of bored and thinking of looking for something to do. And I was like, I should do this Everest thing. I, like Pine Canyon Road was gated and closed, but it was free of snow. And that's like a local, like the road tour of Utah I used to race up in. It just kind of this like iconic local climb. Like, That'd be perfect. I'll just do that. And yeah, so I sent it and just kind of, a, you know, went for it and ended up actually getting the record, which was cool. And then, you know, Lachlan, I don't know, what did a couple of weeks later, wouldn't when did it and took it by a couple seconds or minutes, whatever. I know it was pretty tight. And then there was some like snafu with like the actual elevation or something. So he went and did it again, like the following week. Yeah. I mean, you're just riding the elevation of Everest and as fast as you can, you know? So it was kind of fun. You know, a few guys gave it a crack and then real racing started again. And that was kind of the end of it, I guess. Yeah. It was a, kind of a good time, I guess. Pretty good predictor of your motor for uh, long rides. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're like probably at that time what you're coming from world cups yeah and then just like a six or seven hour effort i guess yeah it was like just under seven hours or something it was it was a hoof <laughs> yeah. were the two of you talking about this i mean lachlan did you kind of look and say oh well keegan's just everest did this i'm i'm gonna go take his record or was it just like a coincidence no i had zero interest in doing it and jv wanted me to do it because there was a lot of people doing it at that time. And then I kind of looked at it and did like, tried to work out around here, like what climb I could use. I think I just finished, I did Cocopelli the weekend before maybe. And then, so I was like, oh, I've already like got a good long one in the legs. I'm sure I can try and go do this. And then I remember doing, I think I went up to Sugarloaf here, just out of Boulder. And did like a couple of laps and I was like, oh, this is actually going to be hard. I'm going to need a better hill. <laughs> and so then I found a hill down near Fort Collins. Yeah, it was like, it was a proper effort. There was no joke, that record. First one didn't count, so I had to do it again. But we spoke after that briefly and we thought about just racing each other <laughs> and then doing it again. But, you know, then the kind of the heat went out of COVID a bit and everyone started racing again. And then I think everyone kind of realized that there was better things to do than ride up and down a hill 40 times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's not something we have to look forward to, a, a rematch, a head-to-head Everesting competition? Uh, maybe, maybe. I don't like my chances anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you never say never, you know. You never know. <laughs> maybe we'll do it, but probably not. Yeah, I think I'd need a double Everest now to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, double Everest would be, that'd be <laughs> a proper challenge. Was that the first time the two of you got to start to know each other, back when you were talking about this Everesting? Uh, I mean, I think that's the first communication we had. Then we raced against each other so later that year, or maybe the next year at Leadville. I think it was the next year. Yeah, we got to know each other through that just because we were kind of racing like together in the front. And then the next week I did, or we did, Breck Epic. And there we got to know each other quite a bit because I was there by myself and just kept like flatting and breaking my bike and I was just there by myself. So I had to like lean on Keegan and Myron for help quite a bit. And yeah, I think through that I was just like, oh, this guy's a good, good dude. 
So I think like we kind of respected the, the way each other races. We don't really like play games. It's just like if you got the legs, you just kind of lay it out there. And yeah, since then, it's been cool to see Keegan come and start like into gravel. And I remember before like the lifetime last year, everyone's like, oh, who's going to win this, that, the other? And I was just like, this dude's going to kill everyone. <laughs> like, oh, but he's a mountain biker. I was like, it doesn't matter. You watch this. So it was cool to, it was cool to watch that last year and see that like progression. And then I think also the way that it has like progressed like gravel racing, I think it's pushed it to like a higher level, but in, in a way that's like good, you know? So yeah, I think like just through basically through racing is, is how we've got to know each other. Well, then how did coming to Cape Epic together come about? How did that conversation start? I think initially we brought it up when Housie broke his hand the first time and we were racing at Pikes Peak in Colorado Springs and Housie broke his hand on the last stage. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to find a new partner. And uh, Keegan was like, oh, I'll do it. <laughs> we couldn't get our ducks in a row in time. Um, it was like, uh, yeah, a pretty short runway. And we just couldn't really pull it off. And then Keegan went and raced it last year with Maxime. Yeah, Maxime Marat. He was another, he was racing a European World Cup team at the time. So it was like kind of a relatively easy, easy pairing. So I did it with him last year. And then yeah, we after, I think it was like at Crusher, like in July or something, we got talking about it pre-ride. Like, oh, we should do do uh, Cape Epic next year and just kind of slowly kind of went from there and got both parties on board just trying to organize you know like making, aligning all the sponsors and all that kind of stuff but uh, yeah ended up working out well I know that um, Keegan you were talking about some of the World Cup events that you've raced and I know that those tend to be shorter events but then in Cape Epic you've got this mix of these hard short intense days and then you've got that endurance over a stage race, how does that set you up having this World Cup experience coming into something like Cape Epic? Yeah, I mean, I think the having you know, the cross-country World Cup experience is pretty helpful for Cape Epic. Like those starts at Epic every day, it starts like a World Cup more or less. It seemed like it was even more intense this year than it was last year and in previous years. And the field was bigger. There's 150 riders and there was the starts were pretty violent. I mean, it was pretty much just like full gas for the first 30, 40 minutes and then it would kind of settle down. So yeah, it kind of felt like you were racing an XCO and then you just kind of keep going. <laughs> so it's pretty helpful, you know, like how to connect, like knowing how to start like that and just knowing how the body reacts. And I think also like the gravel racing has kind of helped in that sense too, just with like, there was a couple starts that was like kind of more bunch racing, like on the, on through some pavement neighborhoods and definitely a bit dicey, a little sketchy. So yeah, it kind of helps to get some little time, more time in a bunch because the World Cups, you start, and it's hectic for like two minutes, then you're kind of like thins out relatively quickly, even though the pace is still high. So yeah, no, I think they definitely helped a lot, kind of knowing how to how to weasel through the bunch like that and get to the front before it before it pinches. Lachlan, is this like anything you've done before? Is this at all similar to road racing with just these these mass starts, or was this something completely different from road experience? Yeah, similar in a way, like the kind of hecticness at the start. It's kind of like every odd day you get when it's windy or something in like a world tour race where you have like a really big group of people all trying to be in the top 10 riders. 
and there's only 10 who can be there and 140 who can't. So like, similar energy, but I think in the mountain bike racing, because a lot of the people do come from that background of, of World Cup racing, shorter, like four intense efforts, they're just better at that kind of effort where they can really just hurt themselves. <laughs> um, like to, they could just really go deep right from the gun and kind of switch off the brain to the fact that you still have like four and a half hours to go and yeah, basically just go absolutely flat out until they can't anymore. So in that way, it's like different than anything I've done because it just seems like it's just this suicidal pace that everyone just buys into and then, you know, there's like one team who can hold on. <laughs> um, so I actually, I, I like it. I think it's a really cool style of racing because it's like, it's kind of fair, simple, you know, like it's not like you're talking tactics really. You know, occasionally I think at the front in those finishes there's like a little tactical battle, but it's basically like just get out there and ride as hard as you can to whatever conditions you have on that day and, and see who's who's the best. So I think it's a really uh, – I enjoy that. I mean, it's hard, hard as hell, but I think if you had the legs, it would be like a really nice way to race. So then what happens on the days when you – don't have the legs because you can't have legs every day. You just suffer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just got to keep just, going. You just hang on for dear life for four and a half hours. Yeah. I mean, like you're found out very quickly in that sort of racing. So if there is like a chink in the armor, it comes to the surface very, very quick. And then you either just like give in in terms of like, all right, I'm just going to take it super easy today, try and recover, come back another day. Or you just like lean into it and you're like, all right, well, this is what I got. I just keep getting the most out of what I got. And it's going to really suck for the next few hours, but that's what I got to do to stay in the race. So for me, it was generally the latter. Yeah, just like a lot of grinding the teeth and uh, sitting on the point of the saddle. (laughs) Well, let's talk a little bit about how the race actually went. Do you want to take us through the stages? I mean, there was an opening prologue that was about 27k about 700 meters of of climbing what was that opening prologue like first day everyone's excited nervous the two of you haven't raced together how did that go yeah i mean the prologue it's like a it's definitely a bit of a bit of a tricky effort like you pretty much have to go full gas but it's you have to back it off you know you have to like pace it i mean it's like an hour and a half long or so so it's yeah it's a bit of a weird effort because you can't go too hard and you you have to but you have to go you know hard enough to I don't know. It's a tricky balance, you know, and you also have to ride the descents and stuff quite fast without, you know, you don't, but at the same time, you don't want to crash or completely detonate and then ruin yourself for the next couple of days. So you kind of just have to ride that, uh, ride the limit and not push it too far into the, into the red. And you also have to like communicate with each other and make sure you're not like, someone's not pushing too hard or make sure everyone's in the right place. Yeah. It's like the start of like a very long week and it's easy to get like caught up in the, idea of like we need to make this one perfect when the reality is like it's like seconds in the prologue and then by the end of the week it's like hours you know (laughs) but I think you know we definitely approached it with trying to go as fast as we could go and we had a pretty like we had a decent ride there given the competition in that kind of effort and we're like we executed everything pretty well that day I was aware from about halfway around the prologue course that I was going to have a very long week staring at Keegan's back wheel. 
I mean, did you have a strategy? Were there sort of like moments where you'd picked like, okay, here, we're going to accelerate here. We might be able to, you know, quote unquote, rest a little bit. Or was it just, let's just go hard? Because Keegan, you've even said, you know, it's it's a full gas effort, but you're not actually going full gas the whole time. So how did you strategize that? Yeah, I mean, an effort like that, you more or less have to take the descents as the rest and maybe like some of the turns you get a rest through. And maybe there's a longer climb, you have to like pace it accordingly, right? You can't go quite full out. But it's just a matter of like, so I guess it's not too much different than a time trial on the road in that sense, you know, like, you know what you have and you have to like, in a way, like look at your power meter, heart rate, whatever, and just kind of pace it accordingly because you can feel super good the first 20, 30 minutes, but you can't do that pace the whole time. So even if it feels a little too easy at the start, you have to, you know, know that this is the pace and we're going to have to do this for the next while. So it's just kind of knowing what you have and slowly squeezing the throttle. All right. And so the next day you had stage one, which was 2,550 meters of elevation gain. That's that's a good amount of distance and just under 100K. How did that day go? That one was hard. I'd say that was one of the more brutal Cape Epic stages that I had raced. I mean, I'd only done one Cape Epic, but uh, I think it was harder than anything we did in the previous year. And then it was probably one of the harder days we had all week, I guess. It just was it was extremely windy, rough course, like really bumpy. There was really no flow. It was honestly, it was just kind of a really bad, just kind of a bad course. Like, but that's just how it goes. You just never know what you're going to get. You know, sometimes you just got to suffer through it. And then there's be, hopefully you have more fun days down the road, but you know, everyone's in the same conditions and racing the same course. You just kind of, kind of figure out a way to make the best of it. And, you know, Lachlan had some issues with his back that day, which made it, made it extra hard, I think for him. And, uh, I mean, you couldn't have picked a worse course to have like back issues on either. <laughs> so yeah, that's just how it goes. I mean, Lachlan, if Keegan was saying that that was a hard day and you've already said that halfway through the prologue, you thought, oh, I'm going to be looking at his back wheel a lot this week. How did you feel that that day, that stage one? Not great. Yeah, I had a few back issues. Just when, when it was really like high power, it was hurting me quite a bit. And you spend quite a lot of time at high power. In Cape Epic. So, yeah, I was a little hamstrung by that. Uh, it was also like just disappointing because you kind of realized that, like, what your level is going to be, and it wasn't where I'd hoped. So, you kind of compound that, like, mental kind of blow with the fact that physically it's also a hard stage. It was like a, it's a tough one for sure. And, like Keegan said, it was lots of like, just like riding through kind of farm fields somehow that are still really rocky and slow <laughs> and then you kind of get like a janky little bit of single track and then just some big open windy farm road it had uh yeah it had everything in there to try and crack you and it did crack me so you went from this day when you felt pretty cracked to begin with to the next day stage two which was the longest day the longest stage of the week how did stage two go uh, stage two, that was the one with the big flat hectic start. Yeah, it was a wild start. It was just flat enough that it could kind of stay in like a bit of a bunch dynamic. But then there was continuous like pinch points. Like at some point there was like a, a bridge and then we had to walk upstairs and they had like a bunch of 150 people all trying to race to the front. It was very windy again. That start kind of played out to like, you know, it was very similar to like the start of a world tour race where the breakaway like won't go and just kind of kept racing pretty deep into the stage until it started to break up. And then we got into a good group, but I'd like ran into trouble again. And then from that point, it was still just like, it was kind of survival mode. 
for me. You know, we weren't going slowly, but like it certainly wasn't punching where I wanted to be. But yeah, we got through that. Um, that was a pretty long day, though. <laughs> if I'm honest, yeah, it was better trails for sure, but um, still like just a a big, long, rough day out for sure. So, what's the mood like between the two of you after a big, long, rough day like that? Are you talking? Or are you just kind of taking your own time and space? How do you work as teammates in that situation? I think we kept a pretty like good morale. I think we understand each other enough to know that like we're always going to get out there and give it all. So there's only like so much you have, you know. It wasn't that we were making any mistakes in terms of the way we were riding. It was just like the capacity that I had essentially. So, yeah, I mean, off the bike was great. Like we have, we had a really cool crew down there between Myron and Tom, and then you know Gus was around. We had like a, a whole, you know, Sean Jordan. Like it was just like a really good crew of people. So like the stages finished quite early at Cape Epic because you start so early, so you kind of all wrapped up by midday, and then you just get like these long afternoons to kind of hang out and, and chat and shoot the shit a bit, which is good, you know. Like, but I personally needed that after absolutely squeezing myself for four hours every morning. So, and, and like, I was pretty impressed like Keegan's ability to like reset each day and just kind of like set the new goal that kind of kept my head in the game throughout the week when it would have been easy to like, kind of just, you know, be like, ah, oh, I don't have it here. And then, and then soft pedal or whatever. Like we never really gave into that. So I think that all kind of happened off the bike. Keegan, how do you handle it? How did you respond when you would see Lachlan's having a tough time and, you know, you still have a few hours to go? What were your strategies during the race to deal with that? I've definitely, yeah, I've been in that position before. And, you know, it's like you only have what you have and you just have to figure out a way to make the most of it. So we'd, you know, try and ride, like, ride the flats hard and try and get on other groups. And, you know, he could kind of so he could reset and try and stretch the back a bit and get ready for the next climb and, you know, give it all he's got. And then... You know, we were, we were descending really well out there, which was cool. You know, Lachlan's come a really long ways the last couple of years on the mountain bike, which is pretty rad. I'd say we were riding downhill, like, faster than most of the teams out there. We'd kind of make up time there, which was cool. Yeah, you just try and find, like, goals every day, you know, every, every day. And we try to just try and move up. You know, we started off after that first day. I think we were, like, 19th GC. And then we just kind of kept creeping our way up and just found battles within the race to you know, like, oh, we're going to get this team today and, you know, race with them and then try and drop at this point or whatever. So you just have to make, like, kind of adjustments and, you know, keep yourself stoked throughout the week to keep chugging. And so it looks like stages three and four were something of a turning point for, for you two as a pair. So what, what happened on those days? How did those days go? I think, like, I had a few glimpses of, like, good legs on that third day. And, yeah, we managed to, like, get into it a very good group and then like actually drop a few teams in the back half of the race. And then, yeah, there were a few teams that had flats. So we kind of like jumped through a couple and yeah, I actually, that was like the first day I I personally enjoyed until then I wasn't like having a sweet time on the bike. Uh, But that, that day I was like, actually, okay, we're in this. I feel like I'm actually racing, not just surviving. And it felt like that was going to be a big turning point. And then I think we had the TT the next day and things did not go well for me in the time trial. We had a really good like first, I guess, third. 
where we were in like a good groove and then um, I just kind of ran into the same problems about halfway through the race and then just was struggling to put out any decent power. That was probably a low point for me, like the TT, just because like, you know, we kind of had the day before and then we're like, all right, we're coming back, feeling good. Like we could definitely race for top 10 and then to like kind of go back a step the next day, I was like, oh, this sucks. I just got my head around like racing again and then I was like, okay, it's going to be more just suffering survival. So yeah, that was like kind of two contrasting days, I guess. But then I think the, the the next day we like surprised ourselves. Well, I surprised myself anyway. Wet, filthy day where you could tell a lot of people were already off it. And, you know, on the first climb we kind of settled into like a good pace and I could push pretty hard and it was like, all right, it's game on. And then like I felt like that day was more reflective of like what we could have been doing most of the race but just for whatever reasons couldn't get it out. But that was just a, a fun epic day like that was one to remember i think from the whole race for me that day stands out not because well not only because like we had a really good day but it was just like it was the most standing water i've ever seen <laughs> on like a bike racing course it was, yeah, it was pretty crazy just racing <laughs> through creeks and rivers and like at one point we went into this hole and it was like the water just was like over the wheel and flew over <laughs> the head thought we were gonna like go over the bars and stop pretty quick uh <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was a pretty hectic day. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was a good one for us. I think we were seventh that day, which was cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, it made a few good moves at the end and we were able to um, pull, some, pull some time back. Yeah, we got to uh, drop Nibbly on the climb, which was huge. Loved that. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Never to be seen again. Yeah. Had to look Nibbly right in the eyes as we just rode him out the wheels. It was sweet. <laughs> I mean, it sounds awful, like you had a bit of a, a roller coaster just in terms of morale. You know, it, it started off when you knew things were going to be kind of rough. And then a couple of days later, you have a, a glimpse of, of things could be good, a glimpse of legs. And then the next day, it just all falls apart again. And then the next day after that, you get to, to you know, just go splash through some creeks and things, drop nibbly. I mean, what is that like? Because that's got to be pretty mentally exhausting on top of all the physicality of everything, just the ups and downs physically, mentally. How How does that compare? to some of the ultras that you've done, some of the, the endurance events that you've done where you're just out there on your own and cracked. How do these two events, similar or different? I don't know. It's just like a symbol of my career, really. <laughs> I got good practice and picking myself up. No, I think like it's a lot easier when you're surrounded by people to turn things around quickly, you know. Like I said, we had a good crew who like, it didn't matter, you know, how things went. We were still, like, positive and upbeat, having a good time, and we weren't racing. So we weren't really dwelling too much on whatever their performance was, which was, like, important, you know, and ultimately helpful, I think. You know, if you didn't have that environment, I think after day one, you never would have come back much. It was just because you had, like, enough people around who were positive and whatever to reset every day that, you could kind of come out and think like, all right, today's a new day. Let's give it a crack. We've come all this way. Like, So, yeah, I think it's different in a sense that if you're doing like an ultra or something, you kind of have to rely on yourself to turn things around. But, yeah, no, this was like 
you know, I, I'd definitely be disappointed some days for an hour or two after the race, but then you kind of put it in perspective and shift the focus to the next day. And then at the end of the day, like you can only do what you can do. So by the time you're there, it's, it's too late to change anything. You just got to like approach every day as best you can, uh, which is what, you know, that's what I did. So uh, I think it's different in the sense that like, it's one thing if you don't have the, the legs yourself and then it's your performance, but I could see like he definitely had the legs and to know like, like, okay, he could be, you know, if I could keep up with him, we could be racing right at the front. And so then it's like, it's just me holding him back. So then that's like, that, that was more difficult during the stages, I would say, because it's not just like, you're not like, ah, oh, I don't have it today. You're like, oh, I don't have it today. And because of that, like, this other guy has to like wait around for me. Because I've also been in that position and it's hard, you know, so it's, yeah, just different. You've mentioned a few times that you've had a really helpful support crew who helped keep things positive and, and helped you just on the time off the bike. Who were the people in your support crew? What was it that they were there for in official capacity as opposed to just, you know, morale lifters and cheerleaders? Yeah, I mean, I think we had a pretty awesome crew. Like, you know, we have Myra and my mechanic and then Jordan, who's like my kind of team manager, came over this time. And then Lachlan had Hopper with him as well as Gus and Sean for the media side. And we also had, we hired a local Swanier, Kurt, who I worked with last year with Max. And he was a super good dude and knows what he's doing. So I think we had a really good crew this time. We kind of knew, you know, what we were getting into. Everyone's like just kind of stoked to be there and like knows kind of how it works. You know, this, this race is long and like every day it's, there's so much that can happen. You know, like these teams that are in the front, like all it takes is one really bad day and then we can move forward. I think every day we kept fighting, which I think is like the important thing in this race. You know, you just, keep moving on because there's days where, like these guys are just like fully fall apart or in DNF or whatever else having that crew behind us just to like you know just kind of help us keep on trucking is pretty key and keeping the bikes rolling good and that's it I think we never really had any bike issues which was super cool so Tom and Myron kept the bikes going really well. From what I know about Cape Epic it sounds like support amongst you know crew members off the bike but also support within the the athletes within the competitors is one of the incredible pulls of this event. I mean, is that fair to say? Is that something that helps make the ambiance at Cape Epic so important and so appealing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think you could do it without a crew like that. I mean, you could you could participate, but you couldn't like race it without having a crew that's like, you know, on top of everything, professional at the same time, like easygoing and also like positive, you know. So yeah, they definitely play a big role in it. What's the overall ambiance like at Cape Epic? Describe it for someone who's never been there, who's never seen it. Depends what day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the ambiance when we came to the village uh, after like a night of rain and, you know, the, the tents were all blown over and, you know, the food hall was like in pieces because of the, the wind. The ambiance was um, seemed pretty, pretty low. But I think on the whole, it's a really cool event. It's very hard. You have like you know, a few thousand people all just like absolutely pushing themselves to the limit for a whole week. So, you know, like whenever you get that many people doing that together, it's pretty, pretty special. There's like a, a communal kind of understanding of like, you know, what everyone's going through on a day-to-day basis. But I think they do a really good job at like supporting all those people 
not an easy task because it's a lot of people to keep keep fed and keep their bikes moving and keep everything kind of happening. So no, it's it's a cool, it's a really cool, unique event that I think like it's very appealing because it is like epic and there is like this really cool atmosphere. But I think a lot of people underestimate how hard it is <laughs> and then kind of go through the process of discovering that through the week and then finding their way through it. So like as an event, it's absolutely one of my favorites for that reason. In the front of the race, though, I will say it was a different experience this time around because it's like it's cutthroat racing in that, that front UCI group. It's not happy, happy days getting everyone through. It's like you can try to kill any team at any point that you can, you know. Anyway, you can crawl past someone, you're going you're gonna to try and do it. So, yeah. yeah, whoever you're with, you're just trying to beat. So, yeah, it's like uh, absolutely racing as usual at the very front. Keegan, I would imagine, though, that this whole atmosphere, apart from the, the cutthroat bit at the front, I would imagine overall the atmosphere is pretty different from what you're used to at a lot of your other races. Is that fair to say? Honestly, I think it's fairly similar. I mean, at these big gravel events, it's kind of a similar vibe in the sense that, like, everyone's there, like, giving it their all and, like, just trying to get through it, you know? Like, at Unbound, for example, I mean, there's people that are out there all all day, like, until the sun sets. And this race as well, like, I talked to some guy in the airport that, like, his finishing time was, like, 54 hours. Like, he barely made the cutoff every day. Whoa. And, like, it kind of blew my mind, you know? Like, he's pushing hard every day for... Basically until they almost say you can't finish and then he goes back and sleeps in a wet tent, has to get on some clapped out bike every day. Like I think these guys are like, it's kind of a different event for them in a way. Like they're working so hard and like, you know, it's a just, they're just survival every day. So I, I mean, I think I respect that and which is a similar like feeling to some of these gravel events that people are out there all day just suffering and just trying to get through. So I think it's pretty cool. You know, it's kind of unique that like we get a race alongside the amateurs and they're like kind of in their own adventure and while we're racing at the front, trying to kill each other, they're just trying to survive and get through each stage, you know? Is that something that you ever think of during the race or is it sort of like after the race, after you've stepped off the bike, that you start to to kind of remember what the experience is like as a whole and how it's so different for so many other people there? I mean, I think for us, like we're just in the moment, we're just racing and then it doesn't really click until like, you know, we're back at the house eating lunch and then like, you're like, oh, they're still finishing the time cutoffs not till like 6 p.m. Then you're like, oh, wow, that's like another level of, you know, suffering. So you don't really think about it until, you know, you're back and you're like hanging out in your nice, comfy, warm house and there's people still out there in the wind and rain riding. So, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> well, how did the last couple of stages go? You had stage six, stage seven. Those were the last two days. Tell us about those days. Uh, stage six was an absolute epic. It was like atrocious conditions. It rained basically for 24 hours before the race started and no one was we weren't expecting it like the day before we were expecting rain and then we woke up to rain again and it was like oh okay it's gonna be a big day and i was kind of excited enough for it because uh you know we'd had a good day the day before and then it was now like okay we could pick a few teams off here and maybe creep towards that top 10 and kind of had an okay day like I think we managed it pretty well. Like definitely got the most out of ourselves and like slid around in the mud and managed to keep things upright and still pretty fast, which was good. And just kind of like a bit of a – it was a, it was a cool day in the sense that like, you know, to go out and just smash around in the mud like that, it's kind of fun. But 
yeah, like an epic day. Like, again, it was one of those days that if you were out there for 10 hours, it would have been pretty horrific. But, yeah, first personally, fine day and kept us, like, right in the hunt going into the last day for top 10. And, yeah, I think going into the last day, we kind of knew what we had to do. But, yeah, I just, like, we, we had a, our eyes set on, it's like, the specialized team, the second specialized team. They were, we had to get five minutes out of them or something. But I was, <laughs> I was on a stinker of a day. Um, and then it was just like from the beginning to the end, just on the absolute limit. And we, st- we managed to take five minutes out of the specialized team, but we also managed to lose enough time to the team that was like behind us for them to jump over us. So we missed out in the top 10. And yeah, like uh, to be honest with the way I'd ridden that day, I, I didn't feel like I deserved to jump in the top 10, like for me personally. So it was like... It would have been nice to finish on a high note, but it's not a fairy tale, you know. It's a bike race, so um, that's just where it, where it, where it blew out. And yeah, like enjoyable enough days. I didn't have that real fin- feeling of like, you know, completing something. It just felt like I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to come back again, still, <laughs> so I can finally get to this polo ground and feel like I'm achieved what I want to but yeah you know that's fine <laughs> Keegan do you feel like you have unfinished business at, at Cape Epic yeah I mean I definitely want to go back and give it another crack like last year with Max we had a few really good days early on and then we kind of struggled in the middle and lost lost a bunch of time uh, I think we actually ended up kind of the same I think we were 11th as well I think we had ended up in the same place like we started <laughs> off like at the front racing for the like racing for the win every day and then couple of really rough days in the middle and then we kind of came back at the end and finished third on the last stage so it was more of a roller coaster of a race we were just like really high and really low but in the end kind of the same same result so i think yeah i mean i think lachlan and i both want to go back at some point give it another cracks i think we're both capable of racing at the very front so so how did it feel i mean after that week of racing lots of highs lots of lows how did you both feel at the end of this this is nice to be done Honestly, the hardest part about this race is the the early starts. I think, like, sure, the race the racing is incredibly hard as well. But uh, yeah, race, racing at seven a.m. every day for our, a week is kind of brutal on everyone. Hard to get enough sleep, hard to eat, and uh, yeah, just makes it extra hard. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. You just start to be done because I had to sleep and rest of it. Yeah, I got COVID on the way home, so. I was excited to get home and sleep. And rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so later this year, you both have a lifetime, and that's coming up pretty soon. You've got Sea Otter first, I believe. So, how is that going to go? You went from being a teammates just a couple weeks ago to being competitors again. How's that going to play out? I think it'll be a good time. Uh, sea Otters, I mean, I'll say it's going to race just like every day of Cape Epic. It'll be full gas at the start and then just it's going to be a long hard mountain bike race um so yeah i'm looking forward to it i think you know we got some good race days in the legs at epic and uh yeah looking forward to racing the mountain bike yeah yeah it's going to be sweet i'm excited to get out there and you know give it another crack hopefully sort a few things out and get a bit more out of myself so after having had this experience racing together what have you learned from each other? What have you learned from one another about this? 
about racing? I knew like Lachlan could suffer like hell. So I guess I didn't really learn anything too new about Lachlan. <laughs> uh, that's why I figured he'd be a good Cape Epic partner. Cause I was like, the thing about this race is you just can't give up. You have to fight every day and that just keeps you in the race. So yeah, I just uh, didn't learn anything too new other than he's gotten a lot better on the mountain bike, which is sick. So yeah, other than that, uh, everything lived up to expectations, I guess, in terms of uh, just good morale and having a good time. Keegan, you said that a uh, Lachlan can suffer. Will you try and take a, a bit of that experience with you in your events? Will you try to think, okay, man, I, let me try to suffer like Lachlan does. Let me try to go as hard as he does and right at that limit. Is that something that you think will, you'll take with you? I, I thought Lachlan was going to die a few times out there. I looked back at him and he just looked like he was in a world of hurt. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think you just have to keep carrying on and it can always, uh, can always keep squeezing, you know? <laughs> You're not really squeezing until you're making noises. Yeah. <laughs> in shapes <laughs> he's in shapes exactly yeah. you distorted no I definitely learned a lot myself off-road racing is still it's not new to me but I, I know I still have lots to learn and like you can see in the way that um, Keegan approaches you know everything from his bike setup to just thinking of details about the stages and just stuff that to me is like very new so he's very much like a pro in that sense. And also just like, I, th I like the, the mindset of just like being able to reset every day and not like dwell on anything. I think there's a lot in that. So yeah, I definitely learned a lot. And also like shoe stretches. <laughs> that was a good little, a good little load. Um, yeah, lot, lots of little, little tips and tricks for sure. I need to know what are shoe stretches? <laughs> I told you it'd have to kill you. <laughs> so with lifetime coming up though, I mean that's it's similar in that it's it's a series, but at the same time it's spreaded over time as opposed to a stage race like Cape Epic. How do you approach something like Cape Epic versus Lifetime? Keegan, what does that preparation look like for you? How are they different? Uh honestly they're not so different in my mind. Like Cape Epic is just it's like a lifetime packed into a week, more or less. Um, you, know, you have to race every day full, like full out and race for the win, but you also have to like kind of take care of your equipment and, you know, make sure you're smart about equipment choice and not like ride too crazy on the descents or whatnot. So it's just a matter of like me as a stage race. So you have to like think of the long term, but you also have to just race in the moment race, you know, just, you know, go as hard as you can, as fast as you can most of the time. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think they're a whole lot different when you like break it down like that. Well, given that you've also both raced Lifetime before, you know, there are some some races that went easier, some that were a little tougher. How will you take that experience of having raced Lifetime Series last year into this year as part of your preparation? I mean, it's kind of nice to know a lot of the, like some of the races that I hadn't done in the past. You know, it was my first crack at Unbound last year. Um, like Sea Otter, I've raced almost every year for the last 10 years. So that's nothing like terribly new. Um, at the same time, it's like you know, you're racing different competitors and whatnot and uh, different style of racing. And then with like gravel racing, I feel like last year was kind of my first foray into it. So I'm still, you know, learning a lot from the guys on the roadside who have like, you know, a bit smarter in terms of tactics and whatnot. So it's just kind of taking what I learned last year into this year and hopefully can improve. Yeah, I mean, likewise. I think I um, the only races I'd done from... The lifetime last year with Leadville and Unbound, maybe. So the rest were all new. And 
yeah, just knowing what the events look like, what the competition looks like, and also just it being established as a series now that you're like, okay, this is the biggest like racing series in the US. This deserves like proper preparation and consideration, and everyone is going to take it seriously and race race for the win. So I think knowing all that uh, kind of helps with how you approach the racing and preparation. Yeah. So Lachlan, now that you've raced against Keegan and you've raced with Keegan, what's your preference with or against? Oh, it's probably easier to race against. You know? <laughs> I'd love to have a chance to race together again, but you know, I, I honestly think like the way that we race generally, we're not the kind of people who are like out there trying to flick anyone or like snivel our way to try and get a result. Like I think we both kind of race in a way that, you know, we, we're not keeping anything hidden. So I, I've never really felt like you're like anytime I was racing against Keegan that it was like I was trying to get this guy. Like you just kind of like, all right, let's like push hard and see who's got the legs, you know. So um, it's kind of similar except that like when I got found out, Keegan had to wait for me. <laughs> all right so looking back at cape epic keegan tell us one of your favorite memories from that week of racing with lachlan probably the uh that really rainy day i think that was uh i guess the, well there was two really rainy days but i guess that uh the first one was definitely one of the more memorable days of bike racing that i think i'll have just that like you know we had a, a good day we were riding well and i think you know we like made good decisions of like when to push and I wanted to be smart and it was just a crazy day of bike racing. I mean, I've never raced in conditions like that. And I think that'll uh, definitely go down as one of the uh, one of the more memorable days I've had. Lachlan, what memories will you take from Cape Epic with Keegan? A bunch, but the one that sticks out to me right now is when we we caught this team that we had to catch on the last day, like seemingly out of nowhere with like 10K to go. And... I think they were just as surprised to see us as I was surprised to see them because we were racing against each other in the GC. And then, like, Keegan just, like, proceeded to just, like, destroy them, but just like a roadie would, like, just put them put them in the gutter and then just start riding at, like, 50K an hour. And no one knew what was happening, and then all of a sudden they were dropped. And you just hear them screaming back there. It was good to get, like, one back over them. Um, so yeah, that, that memory sticks out. That's a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> Show no mercy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's see what happens when you raise lifetime, if you end up showing each other mercy or if it's going to be full gas, but I have a feeling it's going to be full gas and, uh, you'll be back to competitors in no time. Well, thank you. And, uh, we'll see you guys racing against each other at Lifetime this year. And maybe we'll see you racing together again at Cape Epic in the future. You just listened to the Explore podcast from EF Pro Cycling. My name is Catherine Ezra. This show was produced by Johannes Manson and Matthew Bowden. Editing by Ben Cranell. Music is by Builders T. A special thank you to Lachlan Morton and Keegan Swenson. We'll be back soon with more stories from the road. Thank you for listening.